This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Backs Europe. This is episode number 169. And I am here. My name is Roberto Capodici. I'm your host, and I'm here with uh, Simon Spencer. He's also is part of Breaking Back Asia and uh, is uh, currently the CTO of the company called AppScore and is busy with uh, some uh, blockchain Web3 project. That's something super interesting. And uh, I'm here also with uh, Manuel Daniel. Uh, is a Singaporean, but spending time between Beijing and New York at the moment. He's the founder of the Asian Banker and uh, he has a book that he wants to introduce to us Emmanuel, tell us about your book, please. Roberto, thank you very much. In fact, uh, for the conversation we're going to have, uh, it's the book, uh, The Great Transition, The Personalization of Finance is here. I tried uh, and I had it published last year. A number of things that I say in the book, uh, like um, something's wrong with the deposit business that banks, uh, you know, that banks love so much. Um, and then you know um, everything broke up, uh, bro. You know you you had um, you had Silicon Valley Bank and S- S- Signature Bank, both of which I know quite well, um, and we've got a lot to talk on that on, on that front. Absolutely, and we we are a group of visionary. We can see the future, and it's interesting how experience make people be able to forecast a little bit what can happen without the crystal ball, but with experience in our head. <laughs> and uh, is uh, is actually, it is the topics uh, of uh, of today. My first uh, interesting point of discussion. Now we, the transitions. Now I'm going to read your book, uh, but uh, now we have this uh, movement toward uh, DeFi, crypto, away from what they call CFI as a central financial institution. And and we saw exactly as you mentioned uh, the Silicon Valley bank, but many other also that uh, went down. I'm I'm quite concerned that there can be a domino effect that goes down to the smaller one as uh, we move uh, ahead with time. Uh, what do you think? Uh, and uh, I will start asking this uh, to to Simon. Uh, you think the DeFi and new banks are taking advantage of the recent uh, situation? So. People is losing faith in central uh, financial institution and leaving market space open for uh, this new approach to finances. Look, I think it's. Um, I think most people are just keeping their head down at the moment. Um, I think the real issue is is sort of you know the issue around inflation and, and attempts to control it and and the view around you know that inflation is bad. And then there's the sort of the, the wider question of sort of almost that. Thing that happened with religion of the you know, separation of money and state or church and state and sort of what role does the state play in 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 money and and regulating money and and so DeFi obviously is is a challenge to some of that um, 
and and there's this real question of sort of this notion of trust and and and, and what is trust and, and do you get trust from having a centralized state bank run infrastructure or can you build trust in a different way with a decentralized infrastructure and and look we're not at a point where we can really put up an alternative model yet um but but you know it's it's kind of early days um and and I, and I think um you know over, over the the next few years and it's you know we're not talking days we're just talking you know, years ahead you know we're going to see people explore different models and, and that's this to me it's this notion of creating decentralized trust networks and and what does that look like and how do you how do you how do you prove trust in a decentralized network because we've got reasonably good at being able to prove trust or at least get it to a point where we trust centralized networks or centralized systems um, and obviously, crypto and, and, and DeFi are inherently decentralized. That's a very good take. And actually, uh, one thing that you mentioned and, and made me think about uh, the fact that the, one of the big differences is that money are usually uh, bordered with a country. So like a currency usually is inside the country, regulated by the country, has a less value or interest in other countries. Most of the crypto are actually international. So um, I don't know, Bitcoin to mention one, doesn't matter where country in the world you are, it's still one single point. So so one of the the other difference, but uh, um, I I noticed that uh, many people trying to change and move toward this is actually falling for a lot of scam, a lot of other things because uh, there is uh, much less protection and uh, much less regulation where some some where is even impossible. Uh, what is your take on this, Emmanuel? You know, um, we are in a great transition, right? That's the title of my book, and <laughs> that is what what where the finance industry is at the moment. And we have to uh, separate um, several parallel developments that seem to be converging, but they haven't converged yet. Um, when we think about all that has been happening in crypto, um, you know, the technology that is being brought on to crypto, the you know what's happening in decentralized finance, um, the fraud and you know the Sam Sam Bankman Fried and um you know and Doquan and all those people um have not um invalidated uh the the move of the technology itself. Uh in fact the technology is proving that decentralization uh is uh coming along just fine and um that uh you know that there is a business case uh for um, you know, users to buy and sell and trade and stake and, and leverage uh, digital assets. Now, then there's another parallel development, which is uh, what's happening in traditional banking. Um, and in the last 15 years or so, traditional banking has been a beneficiary of uh, productivity gains uh, in uh, digital finance. Um, and all of that has nothing to do with crypto. But when you think about the fact that uh, when a bank like uh, you know uh, Silicon Valley Bank or you know um, Silver um, uh, the uh, Silvergate Bank uh, is able to have a bank run so quickly uh, that it, they don't have time to respond, that is a function of digital finance uh, and the speed of digital finance. So all these two elements are sort of converging. Now, we are at a point where 
the traditional financial people want to blame crypto for all that's happening in traditional finance. And the crypto people, you know, are, are saying to traditional finance people, hey, look at your balance sheet. None of you, uh, Silvergate, uh, you know, Silicon Valley, Signature, none of them had crypto on their balance sheet. Um, you know, and uh, they, their balance sheet uh, collapsed uh, because um, of rising interest rates uh, and the asset side of the balance sheet uh, had a huge hole in it because um, the funding costs had uh, gone into reverse. Um, and then uh, you ask what should have uh, the traditional banks have done uh, in order to manage their balance sheet. And then you go back and look at all the re regulations that have been put in place. You know, you have the Volcker rule, uh, and then in the UK, the separation of retail banking from, uh, from uh, you know, commercial banking and capital markets and all that. Um, today, we are at a point where uh, the regulators themselves have to ask have to ask themselves, what do we do with the deposit side of the business uh, because the deposit side of the business has never been in question um, all this time, right up to this month. Mm. Uh, when you think about it, uh, there were players like Vernon Hill in, uh, in, in the US who built an entire system over a 20-year period, Bangkok, uh, Commerce Bangkok, um, you know, being the most efficient uh, collector of deposits uh, and then putting it out to the capital markets instead of lending it. And he was very profitable for many, many years. And today, uh, the thing that you cannot do uh, is to be an efficient collector of deposits. And then when you look at what's happening in the UK and in Europe, uh, the new banks, their proposition is, we are the most efficient collector of deposits uh, because of digital technology, because of frictionless and so on. Um, and today, that's not a very good you know, proposition anymore. It's a it's a scary proposition if the receiving financial institution does not know what to do on the asset side of the book. Um, you know, so so we are at we if we if we you know um, if we piece it out uh, and uh, and look at each sliver uh, for what it is, uh, then we start making sense of where we are. We haven't reached. Uh, any form of um, inflection point, as it as it were, but we mm. need to understand what it is that we're dealing with. Yeah, right. Uh, and and uh, there are uh, many aspects, uh, as you mentioned, that uh, brought the situation to where it is, uh, and uh, how those are approached by new models of uh, finance. And in fact, uh, I was thinking, it's possible to regulate. Uh, Defy and on the new bank in a correct way. If a regulator had even our time to stay after uh, the bigger accident that we just witnessed recently, meaning that uh, uh, looking after uh, three or four big uh, banks uh, is a, a difficult task. How difficult can be then uh, to stay and regulate and uh, look after uh, you know hundreds, if not thousands, of smaller. Uh, uh, different uh, reality. Simon, what do you think? Yeah, look, there's a lot you could talk about here. Um, I think the first step is, you know, the, you know, the regulatory failure is certainly an, an issue and, and, and who the regulators are watching and what they're looking for. Um, ultimately, you know, some of the sort of very public failures, uh, you know, around crypto have just come down to just straight 
you know, criminal behaviour. Um, it's not the problem with the technology. It's just people who are fraudsters at at heart, and and are manipulating you know, and seeing opportunity to to work in a criminal way to create wealth. And 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 that's that happens in any any industry. Um, and and regulators need to obviously be be the uh, force that is looking for that. In a DeFi architecture, it's more complex and needs different sorts of tooling. Um, yeah, the sort of tooling that can get a bank over the line from a Basel III perspective or Basel II perspective is 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 woefully inadequate uh, if you're going to try take that sort of approach and, and apply it to a decentralized network. Um, yeah, the so so regulators need a much more sophisticated set of tooling. Um, the, the the run on banks that can occur in a in a completely digital architecture, um, where you can have you know bot networks driving manipulation of of a, of a currency value, um, you know the ability to respond uh, and also understand the full contagion uh, and and the impairment of, of, of value. Um, it requires an order of magnitude sort of step change in the sorts of technologies necessary. And, and again, so regulators need to be able to tool up and have those sorts of capabilities. And equally, uh, DeFi institutions need to have those sorts of capabilities so that they can both protect their their value um, and and their operations from, from those sorts mm-hmm. of threats. Um, yeah, so you know, Silicon Valley Bank is an example of a run on the bank that was still driven by, you know, word of mouth um, and 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 some pundits making some comments, which obviously led to a cascade. But but you know, it's not we're not we're not so far away from a similar run on a, on a digital bank occurring, which is completely done completely done with a you know a press of a button and a, and a thousand bots or, or more, all all moving things around. So in that landscape, in the, you know, the sort of tooling you need from a regulator's perspective is completely different to the sort of tooling that the historical monolithic banks have needed to have. Right. And yeah, it is, it is what you say. I agree with all. Uh, and on the first part, you mentioned that uh, what happened in uh, crypto world uh, in centralized uh, places has been mostly, if not 100%, the criminal behavior. And of this 100% criminal behavior, if it's not a hacker attacking an exchange, it will be somebody inside. Inside jobs have been uh, huge, as we witnessed recently, but we can go back to the time of Mongox to uh, see how the, the trend has been. Uh, one of the things of the uh, the word, the starting with Bitcoin, uh, that uh, probably in the in the DeFi shouldn't happen, is the the fact that the random banks uh, give a problem to the bank because the bank doesn't have the finance to you know uh, allow the the withdrawal uh, to the people while uh, in a, in a, a smart contract the amounts are are those maybe at the small loss but people should be able to uh, withdraw the manipulation of price obviously much easier in the in the crypto world I, I want to hear the the opinion of Emmanuel on all this you know um, when you look at uh, where regulators are with crypto right now, uh, number one, they have a problem defining crypto. You know, is it a um, is it a commodity? Is it a uh, security? Is it a token? Okay. Number two, they have a problem with uh, who exactly do they regulate? If the whole proposition of DeFi is um, that it is, um, you know, it doesn't need an intermediary. 
However, DeFi itself is still in a journey where um, you know any DeFi um, platform created, uh, the platform creator is the intermediary and you know provider of uh, liquidity and and assets and so on. Uh, and yet, that's a moving target because eventually the idea is that uh, every user of uh, DeFi uh, maintains its own tokens, its own assets, uh, and so on. Now, if you look at what the BIS has been learning um, in crypto, let me tell you, the most respected uh, um, purveyor of crypto is the Bank for International Settlements. I'm totally impressed with the papers that they put out. They totally understand what the issues are. They know where the liquidities, uh, problems in liquidity is, uh, and so on. Um, And they are drawing out a map uh, in, in terms of how they want to regulate, uh, but it's a moving target. Uh, for example, central banks will be allowed to hold crypto uh, in 2025. Uh, and then they um, uh, stipulate, uh, you know, how do you, how much coverage you give uh, to cryptos on your, on your balance sheet uh, and so on. Um, and then corporates, um, you know, the, the weightage, the risk profile and, and, and so on. So they, they get it. Um, what's interesting about crypto is that the technology uh, is moving so fast. You take any one of the crypto assets, Solana, you know, Tezos, Uniswap, there are hundreds of thousands of programmers building applications on them. Uh, you know, and, and central bank digital currency cannot keep up uh, with the applications that are being uh, you know, generated on crypto. Um, the the, um, the fuel that... that um, you know, provides the, the the fuel for for crypto has been up to now low interest rates and you know high liquidity in the marketplace, and that's been taken away from it from from this whole uh, technology. Uh, and now we're entering a phase uh, where we need to see how the technology evolves uh, without cheap funding, uh, and and it will create certain disciplines in the crypto world. Uh, you know. Uh, who exactly wants to hold on to crypto, what kind of applications they want to create on, on, on them, uh, and so on. Um, now, the problems of traditional banking is totally different and, and, and parallel but different. There's a digital universe being created, um, and, uh, you know, and it's, um, it cannot be mistaken for crypto. Uh, and I think that we should, um, you know, we should criticize anybody uh, who tries to, uh, you know, blame uh, the other side for, you know, the other side's problem. You know, so a traditional banker saying all these problems that we are facing with uh, banks, bank runs uh, is created by crypto. And the crypto people saying that, um, you know, that the, that banking and um, is in no way a reflection of the issues in crypto, for example. Example, uh, you know, in decentralized finance. Now, it, decentralized finance will move well when it's regulated, but regulating what exactly? That's where we are right now. Yeah, in fact, uh, I I love the idea the regulator steps in and make uh, everything uh, safer. At least there is a lot of people that need that to be protected from uh, uh, scams and from a lot of uh, danger that there are in this uncharted territory. Uh, at the same time, uh, the possibility that there are in a world that is uh, not uh, uh, forced to follow regulation is is interesting. I I've been in a bank in Singapore, which is a super technological city, recently, and I've been asked to submit information using a fax machine, which is something that I think my father saw last time. <laughs> there is uh, no more fax machine yes. in the world today. They they were saying, unfortunately. 
uh, is uh, the regulations that uh, consider the facts a valid document in another format that would not be correct, etc., uh, etc. Et I'm sure that the bank himself is ashamed to ask people to send faxes in a world that is way ahead of, over the faxes, but they are forced to go through certain uh, patterns just because those are set uh, uh, by regulators. And when it comes to uh, the bridge between, uh, you know, CFI, centralized finance, and DeFi, we have uh, something uh, uh, very interesting to, to discuss uh, of a recent event uh, in the world, but we're going to do this uh, after a short break that we are going to take now. Do you want to be part of Breaking Banks Europe? Reach out and learn more about the opportunity to be featured in one of our shows. With over 1.6 million listeners and counting, Breaking Banks Europe is bound to become the place to advance critical dialogue in Europe and the UK fintech scene. Reach out on Instagram or Twitter at BreakingBanksEU or go to www.provoke.fm. And welcome back to Breaking Back Europe. This is Roberto Capodici, your host. We are at episode 169. I'm here for those that join only now with two amazing guests, Emmanuel Daniels, that is a Singaporean, but lives between Beijing and New York, and is the founder of the Asian Bank, and also published a nice book they presented earlier. And with Simon Spencer from Breaking Back Asia, that is the CTO of AppScore and busy with some... Uh, Web3 and blockchain project. Uh, we are discussing recent uh, news from the fintech world. Uh, so the bridge between uh, uh, traditional finance and uh, all these new uh, DeFi, crypto, mysterious things. And uh, there is a very interesting event that happened recently uh, that make me smile in a certain way. So one of the reasons that uh, uh, the, one of the, the need, uh, let me correct myself, one of the need of uh, all the crypto world uh, is to bridge with the uh, traditional currencies. So one of the emerging uh, product of uh, crypto are the stable coin. Stable coins are the representation of fiat currency into the crypto world. There are several. Uh, one uh, that has been uh, quite prominent is uh, still the USDC made by this company called Circle, that the idea is this, there is a reserve of actual dollars for which every dollar that I have in the reserve, I publish a crypto dollar, right? So now where I keep all this dollar of the reserve now at home because the rats is gonna start eating it, I put them in a bank. And in fact, what Circle did, put a lot of this cash in several bank, one of the banks that they left a lot of money in uh, of the reserve for the equivalent of the crypto was uh, the Silicon Valley Bank. When the disaster happened, the Silicon Valley Bank went uh, uh, in trouble. Uh, the uh, equivalent <laughs> crypto, the USDC, went down up to 91 cents per dollar. So uh, there was a moment of opportunity for people to buy the stablecoin USDC at uh, a discount price. He went back to normal very fast, which is uh, something that is very interesting. But uh, is it possible that uh, for a stable coin to maintain its st stability, it needs uh, relying on a fiat and old uh, method, uh, let's say, of a financial institution? Uh, Simon, what, what is your take on this? 
Yeah, look, it's a really, it's been a look, it's been an interesting fortnight, that's for sure. Um, I think the interesting point around stable coins is they can suddenly be depegged, and and so suddenly it's not as stable as you as you expect. And and I'm I'm a big fan of HBO's Westworld. Um, I don't know if anybody you know is, is a listener to it, is a, is, a, is you know has, has watched that series, and I was a real shame that it was prematurely cancelled. But but. It, Westworld, you know, you go to Westworld is people in black hats. You can be walking down the street. You can have an experience. It's quite safe, but you can also be gunned down in broad daylight. And I think you got to, if you're going to be involved in crypto, you're going to visit Westworld. You're in that environment and you could be fine, but you could also be gunned down in broad daylight as well. You know, so there isn't a stable coin that is. You know, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not home. You know, you're not dealing with 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 an established you know capability. You know, there is a, a degree of risk here, um, and you know, it is about you know we're building trust networks, and trust networks are hard to build, and the tooling around those trust networks is still emergent, and it is great to see the Bank of International Settlement really starting to lay out some really sophisticated roadmaps, that they are roadmaps, and you know, again to sort of perhaps mix a mix um, analogies, you know, I had you in Westworld a moment ago. I'm going to take you to a Dire Straits song. Uh, one of my favourites is this 14-minute epic song called Telegraph Road. And, you know, I used to listen to it when I used to cycle home from work because it would take me 14 minutes to ride home. And um, But Telegraph Road, it starts the song with a dirt track, and by the end of the song, it's a freeway. And and that's really what we're, we're witnessing here. You know, it's a dirt track right now, and you can get gunned down in broad daylight. But guess what? It's 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 maturing quickly, and it will be a freeway, and it'll be a whole civilization. And so, you know, if if nothing else, uh, go listen to Dire Straits' Telegraph Road song, and, and I think you'll understand the whole the whole evolution ahead of us. Let me let me take you right to the answer. Imagine a world where uh, stable coins are issued by banks. Period. Okay, I mean, we just get to the point where every bank in the world, instead of um, you know, nursing their deposit account uh, issues their own stable coin. And mm-hmm. competition between banks is on the utility of their respective stable coins, uh, the, you know, the cross-border utility, the, you know, the uh, transparency and, and, uh, um, and the fact that you can, um, you know, exchange stable coins openly. Um, Imagine a, imagine a time when we arrive at that point. Okay, and remember that you heard this on this program because that's exactly what I'm saying in my book. So what's happening right now is that uh, banks are finally discovering that the that the product they love the most, the deposit account, isn't as stable or secure as they always imagined it to be. Uh, at the same time, crypto is in a you know, stable coins is in a parallel development where the whole issue of governance, structure, uh, accountability, transparency, and all that um, is going through its iterations. Okay, and and all the different crypto players, the different stable coin players, will have to figure out how do we create trust. And then we arrive at a point where the most trusted players, who you know, will be trusted to issue uh, stable coins, will be banks themselves. Um, when when you look at uh, the elements that uh, the stablecoin players are dealing with, and Circle, by the way, has a very strong governance structure. It's you know it's got 
branded names were in their board of directors. And that's one reason that some people think that, you know, the Fed will protect stablecoin over Tether, for example, uh, and stuff like that. We don't know how that's going to evolve. But, um, you know, over time, uh, there will be a bank somewhere that will wake up one day and say, you know what, why don't we issue uh, stablecoins? Yeah, this is interesting because the ultimate stable coin will be the CDBC, you know, the central bank digital currency, right? Because not, uh, it, not, not a given. I've, not I've a given, not, yeah, well. I spent half, half my year in Beijing and I've traveled to the Caribbean where I've spoken to central bank governors. I've been to Uruguay and Spain, mm. spoke to the central bank governor there where they had a, book, uh, a CBDC experiment. And guess what? There is no uptake. Um, you know, so all the conversation, I'm a firm believer that uh, CBDCs uh, will pass uh, because the technology just can't keep up with what's happening on the stable front, stable coin and, and crypto front. Uh, and um, for central banks to uh, to persuade ordinary people, uh, you know, to, to make that transition, uh, it should be- a lot of marketing that none of them are investing in it. Right. And- Stable coins that are already um, gone live, uh, they haven't been able to move between pilots and and reality. And then the big question of uh, uh, central bank digital currencies is that um, if you have a very successful central bank digital currency, what are you going to do with your normal commercial banks? You know, so right now, um, um, you know, many of the central banks are saying, "Oh, don't worry, we will we will use the commercial banking system to to distribute uh, you know our central bank digital currencies," and then. You know, it's a it's a solution looking for a problem. Uh, you know, and then they they're going okay. to be scratching and saying, um, mm, uh, you know, now that we've got it live, um, one or the other has to give. The the commercial banking uh, intermediaries have to give, or something has to give with the central bank digital currencies that we know. And all along, as they are building that, um, you know, stable coins and crypto is going to evolve, and DeFi is going to evolve. Um, you know, with passion because you have hundreds of thousands of application developers working on them. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, in terms of uh, uh, not having the same value of the main currency, the central bank is they cannot, I mean, $1 with $1 or doesn't matter uh, how, you know, it's, um, cannot unpeg. But in effect, there are, in, in, in the current world, there are many forms of, uh, um, currencies that people trust. I think uh, gift cards, for example, gift cards of very large uh, corporations uh, are actually cash. Uh, in fact, uh, many scammers uh, demand payment in gift cards because gift cards are actually uh, liquid money. And uh, those are circulating in a way that uh, uh, probably you can mimic uh, the cryptocurrency world in a certain way. They're you know, issued and then they can be uh, exchanged later. Uh, but uh, let, let, let's hear Simon on these topics as well. Yeah, look, one thing I sort of touched on earlier was sort of the the regulator regulatory response uh, is is obviously going to change, and yeah, you know, it's, it's great to see what the Bank of International Settlements doing. But you know, coins, stable coins are essentially part of a trust network, a decentralized trust network, and yeah, you know, and 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 yeah. So if you want to get confidence in that network, you really need to look at sort of approaches like you know the network sciences, where you use graph theory to understand the nodes of the network and and the distribution and the inferred tr- inferred trusts and so forth. And and that's an 
you know, a significant shift in, in sophistication, but that's what you're going to need in a decentralized, you know, market. You know, you needed it actually with monolithic banks as well, you know, when you had to look at your interest rate risk to the banking book and you needed to look at the potential that your bank could be impacted by by some sort of contagion from, from an, a counterparty. So you, it was never truly a monolithic response where you only had to worry about how much capital you had to set aside as a monolithic bank. But with a DeFi, you know, based architecture, you you need to have a full understanding of of the complete network, and 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 I, and I think you know we're starting to see the regulators, and we're starting to see that sort of tooling start to be put in place, um, and it is about starting to shift the thinking around from shifting from thinking about regulating this as as a group of sort of centralized monoliths to actually a compl- as a, as a fabric that needs to be understood as a complete architecture. Beautifully said, Simon, because uh, what I say in my book is that we are now in the markets economy. In the markets economy, when some one person trades with another, there's a buyer and a seller, a winner and a loser. And you've got to maximize the transaction in that, uh, ima- maximize your benefits in that one transaction. When we move to the network world, um, that there are not necessarily winners and losers. And the value of a transaction is in the network, as, as uh, Simon says. So the rules are changing, um, you know, and that's where we will find the stability of, um, you know, the, the monetary system in a, in a digital world. Yeah, there will be an hybrid. For sure, there's going to be a co-living and a moment where each side learn from the other side. I'm sure that there are a lot of innovation brought in by all the crypto world that can do very well into the traditional finance. There are a lot of uh, changes that can actually bring better uh, results. And vice versa, actually, and this is even bigger than the previous one. There is a lot of lesson learned by the traditional finance that uh, the new wave of new banking uh, mostly crypto defi should uh, pay more attention of uh, and uh, and learn from and uh, being regulated properly i think is the is the first step in fact uh, one question that comes out of this is uh, what is your take on the fact that, and if you have an experience or uh, or uh, just an opinion uh, are countries that are supportive of uh, cryptocurrency experiencing a boost in the regular standing due to the rise of uh, defi and new banks in their uh, borders, meaning that uh, uh, I saw like places like Singapore, uh, London, or other places that are really Dubai. Dubai has been incredible in the last uh, few years on uh, really give uh, all the government uh, uh, support in terms of regulation, in terms of uh, opportunities uh, for all this uh, innovation. Is this actually making a difference to the traditional finance uh, and the economy of the country? Um, you know, like uh, Emmanuel. Yeah. You know, the thing about Singapore is that uh, it's taking a tentative view on crypto. Uh, I think the Singapore regulators' position is that they would like as many players to be domiciled in the country, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they will be licensed or allowed to do certain transactions and definitely will not be given access to the domestic population. They want the technology to uh, evolve uh, and they, they they want it to be on ground if possible. And I think that to different degrees, um, um, you know, Dubai, Abu Dhabi uh, uh, and other jurisdictions take this kind of a, um, you know, watching brief type of an approach. Um, you know, the ones that 
outright ban crypto, um, you know, will not build the uh, community, the ecosystem uh, when it comes about. Um, so there's a kind of a tentative uh, approach um, by this in, in these markets, um, you know, and and it has created. Uh, an extension of the fintech community. So you have funding for you know a number of these crypto players uh, and and learning as well. Which is uh, why can why can we tokenize uh, some of the assets in our traditional exchanges uh, and see how that plays out in in, in crypto? Actually, Thailand takes um, an approach like that. Uh, and they've been tokenizing uh, a number of their uh, fixed income uh, bonds. Um, so uh, you know. It does benefit them uh, as uh, destinations, uh, but there are no winners just now. Um, I think that uh, eventually the winners will be uh, those that uh, you know make a bold move. And and I've been to um, El Salvador, for example. I was so curious mm-hmm. about uh, the position that they have taken in um, you know in in embracing yeah. as a as a currency, um, and that's the journey too. Uh, in that you take the position, you're criticized by the IMF and everybody else. Um, you know your your creditors think that you can't meet your obligations. You meet your obligations, uh, and then I ask people on the ground in El Salvador, um, would you accept crypto? Uh, and th- those who say they will, um, and I say, what gives you the you know the the, the confidence to accept crypto? Uh, they, they say that uh, it's uh, it just has to be that both sides of your balance sheet has to be in crypto. So if your income is in crypto and your you're rent paper is in crypto, you're fine. You know, then you you're, you've created a closed ecosystem. Uh, and so just by observing how these ecosystems are evolving and becoming larger and becoming uh, you know integrated, uh, that's where. Uh, we will see uh, the revolutionary developments, um, you know, in the future. And when they come about, they come about not because, you know, uh, they got one answer right. It's because they've been building it over a period of time. Yeah, right. But that's like most things in life, right? (laughs) Nothing happened overnight. But I I agree with you. Yes, there is a good that that, uh, comes with uh, with, uh, getting adapted. You know, I've been living in my in my adult age already, the change from uh, local currency to the euro in Europe. And uh, I thought people would never adapt to the new currency. And in fact, even the government took like a, a several year plan where both currency was going to be valid. And I've been surprised how fast people shifted from one currency to the other. I thought like mostly old people, etc., would, you know, like never leave the you know, their local currency, the idea of the value, the, the, the spending value to move to euro. But uh, I, I underestimated uh, <laughs> European people has been has been a very interesting shift. So this will happen to other things. Simon, uh, your your opinion, take or experience about countries that are more supportive about cryptocurrency compared to those that are not. Yeah, look, just going, going back to El Salvador for a moment there. Um, it is interesting as a as a experiment because that's what it is really. Um, um, and yeah, you know, I was reading today that you know one of the leading opposition papers just recently ran a poll that gave a ninety one percent approval rating to their president, and you know a strong sense of pride around their financial services industry. You know, and it is an experiment, and you know that that, that um, and you know as DeFi grows, you know nations like El Salvador and others have the potential to be a real force multiplier. But it's early days, and it could equally go pear-shaped with potentially disastrous or you know very different outcomes. Um, 
a useful way to see this is I don't know if you know the remember the movie Arrival and you know I think Arrival as a movie was one of the most interesting science fiction movies of probably the last sort of five ten years. Um, and in Arrival, there's this really cryptic um, alien language, and it takes you know halfway through the movie before you find out that the language is because the aliens have this non-linear view of time, and that is a defining thing in their technology, and and that leads to them seeing the world in a very different way. You know, this this sense of time being non-linear. And, and similar to this, you know, organisations and, com- and countries that that are, are investing in this new national language, you know, this national financial services language built around Bitcoin and DeFi, these concepts are very different to traditional monolithic concepts and fiat concepts. And, and that tooling that we're starting to build is a little like that sort of non-linear language that the aliens had in a sense. And it's the adoption of these capabilities that I think over time will have a profound impact on on our, the way we manage money, the way we manage risk, the way we build trust. Um, and I think those those changes are going to be somewhat subtle at times, you know, uh, and and they might be sort of far reaching into you know the the way we run our societies, the way we just do, 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 you know provide you know social goods. Um, and, and and so forth and 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 I do think there is that potential that countries that invest in this new type of architecture in this new type of way of seeing money and decentralized uh, industries will have significant competitive and social benefits. Uh, this is a very interesting analogy, actually. I feel uh, deficient for never not make a movie analogy so far, but see that both of you made it and they're very good. Yeah, and I think, yeah, which is the alien in my life? So so where are the aliens where in, in bringing in new technology, new methods that are difficult to understand to me and actually representing the future? It is uh, for sure is something that uh, is a good exercise everybody should do and uh, go there and study more these things because probably that's where the future uh, is you know many many times it's difficult to understand the reason the why and the hope if you don't understand the basics of things i look how many people uh is uh thinking elon musk is a, a terrible you know manager of businesses and in the meanwhile is actually uh, doing things that uh, many people don't understand why is is uh, is interesting to see where the traction of things is going anyways uh, um it's been an amazing chat with both of you thank you Manuel thank you Simon for uh, being uh, with us and uh this Just is the one, end of the point. Yeah. one point uh, Roberto sure. um you know uh, all things considered everything that Simon says I'm in total agreement uh just one little addition the country right. that will transform the future of the finance of the finance industry or future of finance, uh, will be the dysfunctional country. Remember, I said that. Okay, it won't. Yeah, okay, be... no, I take I take this where there is a problem, a solution is the best uh, innovative things that comes up. But that's uh, that's that's correct. I that, I mean, I, thank you. I uh, you know El Salvador you know uh, embraced uh, crypto, and that's why uh, the US will uh, eventually make the policies that uh, will transform finance. Uh, out of dysfunctionality and not out of purpose. Remember I said that. Okay, so we have two things to look at, dysfunction and aliens. And when we see a dysfunctional alien, that's for sure a treasure to go and (laughs) take. (laughs) Again, thanks to both of you. Uh, Thanks to all the people watching us. I've been patient with myself that I am now the best that can be 
Uh, but uh, we'll meet again at the next uh, opportunity we're going to have uh, to in Breaking Banks Europe. Thank you very much to everybody. Bye-bye. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.